Is this the real life, or is this just a fictional reality? Hello everyone, and welcome back to Fictional Reality. I'm your host, James Elliott, and this week it's time to get theological. <laughs> um, this is an area of fictional realities that I've been really interested to get into, but not always sure of where to find the right uh, people to have these conversations with. My friend Nick is one of them. We, um, we often talk at length when we get together um, about a lot of different things, but some of our um, conversations do circle around theology and the Bible and religion as an organized institution and whatnot. Um, Nick and I are in some ways on the same side and in other ways very on different sides of the fence. So he was a very interesting person to talk to about and um, ask some questions that I didn't know the answer to. And maybe I still don't. We still don't. Maybe there are no answers to these questions. That's why it's fun to play around with them. So yeah, enjoy this episode. It is quite um, different to all the other episodes. It is pretty heavily centered around the Bible. Uh, but if you're interested in stories, fictional realities, how they change the world, um, then listen on. Thanks. All right, and here we are back. Thank you, everyone, for coming back to having a bit of a listen to this episode of Fictional Reality. I am your host, James Elliott. And this week, I have uh, my good friend Nick here. Uh, Nick, tell everyone just a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What's your thing? Um, 37 <laughs> next month. Great. Um, I'm a chippy by trade. Um, haven't worked on the building site for a few years though. Mm-hmm. Um, met Jimmy over here um, in a philosophy class out at UQ. Yep. Jimmy was and in then a, did no, sorry, was in a drama. Drama, class, yeah. Can, then we did philosophy. It was on <coughs> body, space, and, and mind. <laughs> and um, Jimmy was really good at the mind part. And we clicked. Good work. Yeah. What's going on? Mate? We had some good times. Um, and You're rolling a ciggy there. Rolling a ciggy. We're having a little uh, little conversation over at Nick's place. I uh, thought it would be a good place and time to do an episode about, as I was telling you before, Nick, fictional realities. Um, let's just jump straight into the into the whole kit and caboodle, okay? Question I've been really interested in is stories. And what reality does uh, does the Bible give give us people? Us, humankind, mankind. Well, how how does the Bible shape reality? Well, firstly, I'd probably say it only shapes reality for for Christians. Uh, it shapes their reality. Yeah. Um, for other people, it, they aren't living under the exact same reality. I think to be Christian generally means that you have to uh, accept that that Jesus Christ is our Lord um, and that there's one God yeah uh, there's you know there's certain things these are obviously very complex subjects 
God, you know, I'm just sort of putting it very generally out there. Is you've got to believe that A, there's God, and B, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Mm. Is so, that, that to engage with what the Bible is saying? Um, well, that's the truth. That, that's the biblical truth for Christianity, I would say. Mm. Um, the Old Testament that is, um, with, I guess you'd say, informs the New Testament. Yeah. To who, who, what, what God is, and how that, how God has influenced or made people have revelations to sort of um, be better people throughout, at least throughout the Jewish history. And then the New Testament is that the fulfilment of that reality, which is that there is this God, we can communicate with this God, and this God deeply loves us and yeah. wants love for me and love for every other human being. This is perhaps what it would have meant to be in the Garden of Eden. Right. The, fe- the feeling of, or the, the, sen- the sensation of, um, or whatever you want to call it, the frequency of what love is, totally being in tune so that God, with God, and um, therefore, fast forward to Jesus Christ, He is God, mm. come to earth. Mm. Yeah. We can't comprehend God, so God is outside of space and time. We can't. We don't know. God is called He because that's just the way it's written in scriptures. Yeah, these the prophets, patriarchal figure. Yeah, the well, these prophets the had. Yeah, well, these prophets had visions that they were. At least in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, Jesus specifically calls him my Father, or Abba in Greek. Yeah, right. Father or Daddy, basically. <laughs> so therefore. That ultimate figure, it's, it, it goes beyond that, that we can't comprehend. Mm. Um, but the Bible tells us this story. Yes. Yeah, so um, basically, then you take Christ, which means the Redeemer. Yeah, yeah. Or the, the Redeemed One. He has a bunch of teachings, right? So, to be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ, or little Christ is Christians. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you are trying to be like Christ, so therefore you live by his teachings and his teachings only, in the same way the Muslims live by Allah. Yeah, yeah. And Muhammad's teachings and Muhammad's teachings. You know, yeah. You read the Bible, upon the prophet. you follow Christ. That's right. Yeah. Um, but the tricky part is that Christianity then, really, um, when the Romans made it the state-sanctioned religion uh-huh. in, I can't give you a date, late 300s, um, under an emperor, it became Romanized. you know. So the Romans before that believed in, they had a lot of pagan practices. Yeah, they worshiped, yeah. They worshipped the sun. Some say that's where sun day comes from, you know. Mm-hmm. Moon day, Monday. Um, so... Yeah. There's a, you know, the Protestants would argue, Protestants are those who broke from the Catholic Church. It was only the Catholic Church. So that when I say they made Christianity the state religion, it mm. became Roman Catholicism. Yeah, yeah. Catholic meaning universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's certainly arguments that, from some people, that um, it, it was Christianity mixed in with paganism. You know? Yeah. So you yeah. had this kind of fucked up stuff on one side. 
Yeah, yeah. Trying to mix it with the light of Jesus well, Christ on the other side. Everyone was like predominantly pagan, so the Christian political class made it so that the holidays aligned. That's right, yeah. And, and, ever, and work could continue as usual, because this is also... As uh, the idea of the workday was taking hold, feudalism was was um, becoming a thing, and we needed to make people go to work every day. Yeah. You sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and the original question is, how is the Bible a story that structures our reality? Yep. And that there's like no trick to this. I'm not like trying to trick you or anything. But based on that, it's like, well, the Bible is a story that structures our reality by one being a historical document, something that has been around for a long time and has instructed us on how to live. Um, two is a book that both gives us the ideal and then sort of the story of a, a person who can show the person reading the book how to achieve the ideal, that being Jesus. Jesus comes Full down. salvation through Jesus. Yep. Yep. And so the Bible exists as a document that structures our reality by giving us something to strive for, maybe? To believe in? Um, to guide us in our choices, do you think? Is that fair? Yeah, I think all those things are fair. I think um, ultimately it it's there to do more than inform Christians. It's, mm. the, it's there um, for Christians to live their entire life by. So Just like, Christians, do you think? Or? Um, well, in the sense of the Bible, the New Testament, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Old Testament is the first five books <coughs> of the Old Testament are what the Torah is. Yeah, is yeah. The Jewish yeah. yeah. But is the Bible as a book today meant just for Christians? Oh, I see. Well, I think if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you're a Christian. I think there's, mm. there's, um, that's really what it boils down to because there is that there is a story there and the story is one of um, a fallen man or woman, mm-hmm. a fallen person yeah. who's um, born into what Christians also believe is that we all are born into sin, mm. and that sin is tied both biblically and theologically to Adam and Eve. So they say that we, Adam, is the, the first man to commit sin. To sin, yeah. And mm. in that sin, takes you into the the great book, which is the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. Yeah, right. And Genesis is the the story of how man or man woman came to be. What is the analogy for the first sin? What does that mean? Is that first um, sin in human life? Like, well, I think yeah. I think what it it means is that um, in the case the, the myth that well the mythology goes that God said you can have any you can do anything you want just don't eat from the tree. Yeah, of knowledge. Yeah, so they eat, he eats the apple. The snake convinces you know Eve to, and or Adam to eat the apple. Yeah. And he defied God. But what that is is a kind of a York to, to answer your question. I think is he becomes self-conscious. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sees himself as 
and Eve sees herself. And I like the story that I say is sometimes I visit my, you know, my, my friend and he has like a, a young daughter who's about three, mm. two and a half or something, three, like super sharp, super switched on. And she'll do things like, and, and my two ne- niece and nephew do this, they'll be like, nudie runs. Yeah. And they'll run through the house. But there's a certain age that they're going to hit where they become self-conscious of that. Nudity. Yeah, that they're aware that that's... It makes them feel guilt or shame. Yeah, right. There's the argument, is that society or is it just inbuilt? Yeah, right. And that's what Genesis is, that it is actually inbuilt. Yeah, so right. So we all carry that. It's And then... It's, so the tree of knowledge is something that we do, we just encounter this as an analogy for getting older. We... When we bite from the tree of knowledge, we become aware enough in the world that we should be clothed and there are rules and things. And uh, is that the analogy? Like, no, is, I think it's more about that. Or is there a conscious, like, no, you bite, you take a bite from that apple and you, you had the choice not to and you chose to bite the apple. You've defied God. Is that more of the story? I think it's more that if we can, if we think of God as, um, and this is again what Christians believe is that God is love and God is the ultimate truth. Yep. And that that ultimate truth is love. Yep. So God would never be wanting to <coughs> test, you know, in this situation we're using. Right. We're using often in the Bible is always, you know, it's taught as this kind of man in the clouds, but yeah, certainly yeah. not what it is. No. Um, it's omnipresent. So, yeah, so I think to answer your question, it's more about the fact that you become self-conscious. You, mm. you know, you're you're, yeah. you're aware that you exist, and that has concept, That has, you know, we've got to we've then got to live. We've got to. Yeah, there's, right. there's a tiger there. There's something here. Yeah, right. We've got to behave. I've got to catch the bus in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, fast forward to like modern times. We're talking. Mm. I've got to post photos on Instagram because <laughs> also whatever you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the we're slipping de- away. We slip away from Eden, and then with each of those kind of, as as you'd say, s- small sins. The Catholic Church will teach that there are kind of venial sins, and then there are mortal sins. Mortal yep. sins are kind of you've deliberately kind of given God the finger. Right, right. You've hurt someone, or you've you've done something to cause pain to another person. So the story in Genesis is there to try and teach us that uh, we should what well, refrain from the tree of knowledge, or that we naturally will partake in the tree of knowledge. Well, We're not defying it's, it's anyone. It's kind of just an explanation of mm. of it begins with you know God created the earth in seven days that that story but it's a it's an allegory the whole book is yeah it's an interesting thing about the bible you know there's 66 books written by 40 authors over 6,000 years yeah yeah and you can connect it sure there are probably um contradictions in there but you can connect the dot between the start of the old testament and the end of the new testament yeah the, yeah the death and resurrection of jesus yeah um so genesis ends i think with um you know Excellent. abel and cain kills his brother mm. and then the next book is Exodus which is yeah out into the desert 
Yeah. So then if you fast forward to how does it inform our reality? Mm. Well, the reality there of a believing Christian, let's say, is that Jesus had been prophesied uh-huh. and he essentially came to say that you do sin, but it's it can be forgiven. It's okay. Yeah, right. There's a redemption here. And that's why in Jesus they say you're baptised into that kind of redemption and, mm. and acceptance. And that's why a lot of people get a lot of peace out of Christianity. But yeah, right. not everyone. Well, not everyone. Everyone. Well, and my question is then, what is the sin that is being baptised away? The sin that took them out of the garden? Yeah, Adam's sin. Yeah. Which was? Eating from the tree. And it's allegorical, so... Him eating from the tree is a person discovering their own nakedness. Possibly, there are, this is just my yeah my take on it. You know, there's you can well, that's, that's the thing about that, and that's what I'm interested in as yeah, well. Yeah. Is like so, like the allegory seems to be, we grow up as humans, we discover our nakedness, which is another way to say we learn how to live in the world, how to go out onto the public transit system and how to not kill people and we learn the, the rules of the world but it's at the cost of a sort of garden of Eden the, some sort of paradise there um, just from what we're saying uh, I'm not coming from any like pre preconceived idea here what do you mean by cost? well <clears throat> as we've been talking uh, the idea of eating the fruit of knowledge and defying God has become synonymous with learning that you were naked in the world and going from a, a young child who would run through the house naked, no worries, they eat from the fruit of knowledge and discover that they're, you know, also at the same time as children in the world, oh, we're naked, so they clothe up and they become members of society, you know. We can't run through the town naked, that's why we learn what it's like to put clothes on and to be people in the world and we learn how to act and how to be and just from yeah this conversation now i'm thinking well is is that a fair analogy of eating from the fruit of the garden of eden that we discover our nakedness as a symbol for um living within polite society and we can't do things that butt up against that and well, i don't know yeah good question I would say that one thing to remember is that that two-year-old girl who's doing the nudie run, mm. looking like she's in Eden, is still slapping her brother over the head. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she's still so, she's still sinning, <coughs> just just in the sense that it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just mm. in a perfect world you wouldn't be hitting your brother over the head or your sister over the head. Well, that's... In Eden, you probably wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> that, that. And that's the hard thing about when you present Eden and then everyone gets cast out of Eden, but then when we get cast out of Eden, we create a fucking sick world. We're like, yeah, we're, yeah we can't run around naked, but, but we're, we're dressed and we're, we have malls and we can go out shopping. And Look, if clothing, malls and shopping are your thing, then this is your Eden, brother. 
I don't know. This brings me on to my other question of what I would like to ask in this podcast is what is your utopia? What does utopia look like for you? And what does that mean for you? Of course, you're free to argue against the idea in general, but if you had a utopia, um, what would it be? What would your utopia be? Yeah, well, I've got a problem. I mean, we might have spoken about this once before, but... I've got a problem with the idea of utopia because... Yeah. To me... Yeah, I guess to me... The idea of Eden is that... And Eden stands in here as utopia? Well, yeah, call it what you want. Nirvana, heaven. Right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have a filter? Yes, I do. Yeah, call it what you want. Nirvana, heaven. Yeah. Um, it is... Yeah, here we go. Some people might call it enlightenment, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think it's the... Um, what's the question? The question is, what is... Oh, you just reminded me of another side question I have on top of that. But um, the question is, what is your utopia? You don't have to, like... Dispel what you think utopia... Like, what is utopia oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. you? What is that? Well, I don't think it exists here on Earth. Yeah. And I don't think it ever will. No. Nick. Yeah. It's I'll not... Get, I'll get to it. Okay. This is my belief. All right. This is my belief. I don't think that... It can, it can be thought of in a physical sense. Uh-huh. I don't think... It doesn't look like anything to me. It's, it's a, a state of being. Yep. That... You know, I hope the soul enters into after death. So there's my utopia there. Okay. So I think life is not meant to be a utopia. There's meant to be ups and downs. We're meant to. It's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be resolution. Okay. We, we're not built that way. Right? Bit of a solipsistic utopia, maybe, like a personal. Yeah, like solipsism is definitely a a problem at the moment. I mean, I think that there's a lot of a lot of pain in the world right now, and Often that, yeah, it, there can be this kind of false notion that we can create this utopia here on Earth, but mm. I would say the history books show that we can't, and right. I don't know why that's going to change. I don't see why that's going to change. So my question is, when you say false utopia, can you describe that utopia, that false utopia, like? What are these people talking about when you say it's a false utopia? Well, it's their firstly, it's their idea of utopia, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the problem with, you know, the very first. Um, there's a guy called Charles Fourier, who was this French philosopher. Yeah. And he came up with the idea of utopian socialism, and he tried to make it happen. And the consequences were disastrous. Your listeners can look that up. Charles Fourier. F O U R I E R. For the for the for players the playing at home. At home. Yeah. yeah. For the thousands in attendance and the millions around the world. <laughs> uh, so people have tried to create this. It's not the new thing. Hitler, yeah. Hitler thought he was creating utopia, man. But then, like, same question. He, what are you talking about? What do you mean utopia? What does that look that's, like? That's what it looks like. People like Hitler, people like Charles Fourier. Yeah. People going 
well, I'm, we're going to create a utopia on Earth, but everyone's got their own. And yeah. that's why you're asking this question, is everyone's got their own view of utopia. Mine is going to be different from yours, yeah, from yeah. every single listener. Well, that and that's what I'm up to. The good folk at home. Yeah, but you're skirting, like, the actual question of, like, so I'm asking about two things. One, what is your utopia specifically, and what is the utopia you're putting on Charles Freer and Adolf Hitler? Yeah, like, okay, I got you. Yeah. Well, describe you, them. Yeah, well, I'm... A, as a Christian, my utopia is heaven, right? Which is essentially that at the end of this life, this corporeal life, there is um, there is some kind of incorporeal state, and that's where right. the soul goes to. And for us, that's that we become we become one with Jesus. He's 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 there, and Jesus is obviously more than he's he's become. No one knows what he looks like, right? Right. All this, I've got. There's a, there's one behind you. Now these are just iconographs of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is more than, he, he, if we think he is God, right? As in the two are just interchangeable. It's God become man. Then. He's our ticket to utopia. Is that <laughs> God is utopia? Yeah. God is love, total love. But what is utopia? I can't tell you till I get there, brother. <laughs> and I hope to see you. There. What do you mean? No, I won't see you there, but I think that the, I can't explain it because I, I believe that something happens to the soul and either you've confronted all this stuff in your life, you've got to the end of the road, right? Yeah. You've realised that there's no utopias Yeah. and there's not going to be a utopia, but you, you, you have genuine loving relationships with people. You know, you love people, they love you back. Mm-hmm. Your wife, your husband, your partner your daughters, whatever, your sons. So you've lived this life aspiring to Jesus. And uh-huh. that puts the soul... And Plato and Aristotle uh, <coughs> spoke about this. Of kind of the balance of the soul. Uh-huh. He called it eumaidea, eudaimonia, which I'm, you can check that. I think I've got that wrong. But it means... Okay. And so you die happy. And that state of happiness that we know is love, we've all felt it, mm-hmm. just becomes a state that we are no longer even conscious of, right? We're just in that, our soul is in that state. Our and soul is like in an infinite love state forever. Yeah, yeah like you, you've been to, a, you know when you go to a really great party or something, and mm-hmm. you get there at seven and you just had all these great conversations, a few drinks, etc. Yeah. And, um, Next time you check your watch, it's like, oh, it's 12. You know, like time is literally, time yeah. doesn't exist, hasn't existed because you've been in this slow state, state of fun. Slow state, right? We slip in and out of that, but to be in that permanently, that's heaven. To be in Eden, and that's to be in heaven, and that's to be in utopia. <laughs> so that's utopia. Sure. Permanent flow state, everlasting bliss as a incorporeal soul. That's it, that's it buddy. Nice. Well, you know what? That sounds fucking beautiful. And I would love to live in that infinite bliss of incorporeal happiness where time doesn't exist. (laughs) I think that's a good place to wrap up the old podcast. What do you reckon? Thanks for having me. Mate, Nick, it's been a pleasure. Um, I have to say, you undersold yourself on the intro. 
You're plenty more than just a mate of mine. You're a good writer, solid thinker, you're a renaissance man, living in the modern world. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure about that last one. Renaissance man? And, um, alternate realities, mate. Nothing wrong with Fictional slipping. realities. Fictional realities, sorry. <laughs> Nothing wrong with slipping into, um, Nick the Builder. <laughs> and that's what you are, you're Nick the Builder. We've had... Good times on jump side together, haven't we? We sure have. <laughs> As usual, I'm sure you were carrying the burden. <laughs> it took me about five days to paint three palings. Yeah, but it was Nick, about Nick Chirpat buildings listening out there. It was about sorry, 38 degrees. Out. It was. It was hotter than it was on the pistol. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great having you, Nick. It's been a, a good little episode, and uh, everyone playing at home, thank you very much. Thanks for playing. Thanks for being a part of this uh, wonderful journey. I hope you've learned something. Uh, question your own fictional realities and uh, the stories that make up your world, because uh, at the end of the day, they're just that. They're stories that we all tell ourselves. And uh, have a good evening. Goodbye. <laughs>